Suzanne Pedersen in her ninth Solheim Cup with this to win the trophy. Welcome everyone to the ninth tee. The first full field event of 2021 is in the books. The Gamebridge LPGA, Nellie Corda wins it, setting up the Corda Corda open to the season, very similar to the Kang Kang start to 2020. As the Corda sisters complete the first part of the, the three part swing of Florida. Joined as always by the one, the only, Mr. Ben Harpering, womensgolf.com. Mr. Ben, how are you? You know, I'm I'm doing great, especially after the intro. You're getting more and more creative, and I'm really proud of you because I know it's a struggle sometimes, but you're getting you're still finding some new ways to introduce me. So appreciate it. <laughs> I'm gonna need to come up with some new words and dip into the English lexicon, but that's for another time. Nellie Corda, you didn't play your best today. Didn't matter. She was the one not forcing errors down the stretch. It was a very calm finish, even though there, she mentioned in her post-tournament press conference, inside it didn't, didn't look that way. I think part of that was, well, she was playing with Angel Yin, and if you watch them play together, they were definitely sharing laughs. They're old Solheim Cup, junior Solheim Cup team partners even. Um, they played together back in 2015. And they're sharing lots of laughs and joking around. And it also helps when no one really quite puts too much heat on you. Like she got off those three birdies early and that really separated her enough from everybody else that I think she could kind of not necessarily coast, but she just needed to not make mistakes. And she definitely didn't make mistakes. It wasn't the typical Nelly golf. Like I would say the, especially the back nine, she was leaving putts short, uh, a lot of birdie putts short, and a little more tentative. She had that par putt, that ring around the rosy from inside three feet. That was scary. That was nervy. <laughs> that was scary. Uh, you know what? And that is a big moment because when that three-shot lead could have gone down to two, uh, and it just, you know, makes things a little bit more uneasy. What was really funny about that hole, right? That was the 15th. That was when Angel said all right first class ticket to the water on her second shot there's a massive hook right and Nelly hit her third or hit her chip before angel hit hers from the bunker and she put it pretty close and angel stuffed it from 140 right a sand save from 140 for par and yeah. if Nelly misses that what kind of momentum is that when you're like okay the closest competitor in my group just donated a ball into the water and oh me, oh my, I just bogeyed and she somehow parred. Oh, we, to your point, that would have, the, the narrative, the momentum all would have flipped. Yeah. And talk about a game of inches too. Like it, I know it's like, it's overused, right? We know golf is a game of inches, but that shot, um, Nelly's approach shot into that hole just didn't quite, I mean, maybe another yard or two, she gets on the proper level. And it doesn't go all the way down into that pretty tough position where she did. She had a great shot to recover from that. But just the, men, the mentality of it all, when you see someone go in the water, have to take a drop from the bunker. And it's funny you say bunker because Lake Nona has some, some big bunkers, <laughs> some big bunkers. And you don't got a lot of courses that have sand like that. They get deemed as like waste area. And that changes the rules a little bit as far as like grounding the club and things like that. But they're all bunkers anyway. I was maybe the shot of the tournament. It's one of those moments where it was an unbelievable shot for Angel up and down for par. That if she would have got into a position to win, definitely would have been like the moment that changed everything. But but instead, that hole was a mixture. Angel kept her in it, and then Nelly, that amazing 360, it got more than 360, didn't it? Maybe like. 400 <laughs> it was a lot that thing took a nice little trip around the cup it wanted to say hi to everybody before it went on in yeah and even it, you could see that Nelly was getting a little nervy down the stretch um even on the, the whole previous that 14th which 
I think if she was in a chasing scenario, maybe she it was possibly reachable for her. She's very long off the tee. She went with her trusty seven wood, which there's not too many seven woods out there, but she hits a seven wood. And I think she popped it up. She definitely didn't hit it her best, but it's a very short hole. So she still had wedge in. Anyway, she did what she needed to do, though, going down the stretch. And that was make pars, don't make bogeys, or worse. Which, like, no one seemed to have a few of those out there if you weren't in the right positions. I think that was really highlighted going back to the 15th, right? That difficult wedge shot that landed 15 feet short of the flag on a hole where pin position was premium, or ball position was premium on the approach and spun off. She went to her 58-degree chip shot that she talked about in golf digest about that's her go-to shot under pressure it's a little bit of a low runner one hop a little bit of check two hop a lot of checks slows down that's precisely what it did to set up that short look you know whatever happens with the putt she executed that wedge beautifully and with angel and patty neither of them have really been in contention in the final group in their careers that's the kind of moment you want to take away right Angel hadn't been within five shots of the league going into Sunday since the middle of 2019. She had a really difficult 2020. She talked with you about that quite a bit on Fishing It with Ben, and we can get into that in just a second. But it's those kind of moments where you, you have to learn to win. I was having a back and forth on Twitter.com with someone about Gabby Ruffold's odds of winning this week. I just think those are kind of the lessons you have to learn to win at the professional level. You know, it's not the same as winning at the amateur levels. Jennifer Chang told us a couple episodes ago. So those are the moments you look for, for growth. And what did you see in a change in Angel's game with her overcoming that shoulder injury that she detailed to you? Well, I, I still think that she's, she's going through some adjustments with that. Because when I talked to her in January, she, was, uh, she hadn't even swung clubs yet. She was still taking time off because she's trying to get this shoulder to 100%. Like, as we talked about before, maybe, like, I think you said 17 straight weeks of LPGA events. Like, this year, if everything goes as planned, which we're still in a pandemic, so maybe it doesn't. But if everything goes as planned, it's a loaded, loaded year of golf. So she was she was under the mindset of, okay, what's the point of, like, preparing now when I'm not completely healthy? and risking going into the year with a nagging shoulder injury or hurt it more and not get to play at all. Like it's a Solheim year. Solheim cup is one of her biggest goals and she's not in the position she necessarily want to be in. Um, she wants to make that team. So yeah. And, but if there was anything that was good, a positive from the shoulder injury that she dealt with in 2020, she did talk to me about, you know, I remember actually, Fun, funny, funny situation that happened. The LPGA, their social media was releasing top three um, statistic, statistical finishers in a few categories early from the 2020 season. And there was a stat and that they released. And my mom was like, hey, Ben, did you see Angel was third? And I was like, third in what? Like, I knew the driving distance numbers because I checked them. But with Angel, that's all you think. Of, I mean, typically. To this point in her career, Angel's known as the long hitter. So I was like, I thought, I thought you were going to say the jokester, and her being in third place in the joke category is just flat out false. <laughs> she has to be in the lead. <laughs> that that's true, you know. And Kent Paisley, if, if we're in the golf media world, he has to be near the top too. So he thinks <laughs> we need to put the term "bad" in front of that, and then it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, I was like, third and what? And she was like, putting. And I was like, putting? Putting? And, you know, that was not the reaction I should be having because, like, the professional golfers. But it's just the reason I react that way is because Angel, when you think Angel, you don't think about putting. But she finished third last year in putting. And it was definitely more of a down year for her because of the shoulder injury. She even detailed it. Like, at, at her worst, she couldn't even open a bottle of water. Like, Think about how much that's a lot of nerve pain that was going on and stuff. It's pretty unreal. So she was able to really focus and then she needed to rely, not just like, because she did out of necessity. She had to putt better to even like make cuts to, to make paychecks. She needed to 
improve in other areas of the game. And putting, I think, was actually one of the areas, too, she mentioned that hurt her the least. <laughs> like, there's actually some of the least amount of pain. So the putting really saved her last year, and it looks like this week in her first event of 2021, it did carry over. That's That back nine that she had in the third round, I think she had five birdies and an eagle. Like, <laughs> that's playing, you know, the putts start falling. And you get a player with that length, which we talk about Nelly. Nelly is really an example of that. When you start to get the length and mix that with other parts of the game start working too, then you get a very, very dangerous golfer. Because that's the, the wildest thing about golf to me is that there are certain areas that you never have to be great at everything but you need to be great at something and good at least good at the other things to be the one lifting the trophy at the end of the week i think and if you can start to you know you're a great driver of the golf ball great you got that checked off you're below average in putting you get that to average or better things start to change so um quite a long little tangent there about angel and some of the things she went through but for me it was good to see angel overall i you know, the finish was a little rough, but I do think she'll learn a lot of things from this because, like you said, being in, if you're not in those situations to win, you can't know how you're going to feel, how you're going to react. You need to learn how to make those decisions. Look, you're you're at 13 under, uh, you're three behind the lead with four holes to go. What do I have to lose? Well, just give yourself a good chance for birdie somehow, and then we'll then you move forward from there. But so I was writing about that moment through the five takeaways. And at first I was thinking, well, there's a lot more on the line than you think because a second place finish is worth a lot more in the Rolex World Rankings. And that matters for Solheim Cup. And then for Solheim Cup points as well, it doesn't affect her as much as I thought it would. So she finished seventh, got her 22 and a half points. Second place would have got her 30. So seven and a half, okay. It's an amount. It's not a significant. It's it's a number, but it would only move her up one spot in the current rankings. It's wins are worth sixty. So I'm glad that Solheim Cup points emphasize that winning has to matter. <laughs> There's my drinking game line. So for her, like that's that cognition of the unforced errors knocked her out. It was herself that put her out of reach of Nelly. And when you're in that moment, at least it seemed like for Angel, she thought she had to throw a perfect game when Nelly wasn't. Nelly was doing a good job getting pars. We talked about that, but she had those back-to-back three putts. Even with that, you know, par, miraculous par save, there was another just empty-minded double on the last. You're in the middle of the fairway, 118. I could do that, and it might make sense. Not a professional on the 72nd hole. And of course the money involved too, but that's a sidebar. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. We gone through this thing and not talked about my bad joke that I made at the end of the last episode coming to fruition. Annika Sorenstam making 50 consecutive cuts with a 13 year gap. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And not that, you know, I want to dwell on this too much, but this was in spite of a bad ruling on day one. Which, you know, can't retroactively. What a confusing rule, by the way. That if it's a fence with a gate, <laughs> that's the, the OB marker, you can open the gate. So therefore, you need to aim for gates, not just fences. And then you can move it because it's also the private property. Right. So actually, another, I like to have a lot of discussions with my, uh, my parents about my family about this stuff too. But I was trying to talk through this too, because if... Correct me if I'm wrong. The gate has to also be unlocked. Like it has to, if it's a gate and if it's unlocked, then it can be open. But if it's locked, then you can't like unlock it to open it. So, okay. So let's get, let's not stay on this too long, but. Right. Okay. You've got, you've got a bet, right? And you live on the course. So it's Sunday. You've got a gate at your house and you see a player hit a tee shot that you didn't bet on towards your house or bet on that you bet on them. So you're going to sprint over and either lock or unlock that gate before they get there because that's advantageous to you. That's a little feels inconsistent. 
you know that yeah without dwelling on this specific topic too much it, it is one of those very 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 strange rules and i i hate to give my dad credit because you know we i love my dad but he well, i was gonna argue with him because you know i just i want to be right right <laughs> this is just the way it is I i've be never right. dealt with that before on this podcast never. i want to I be right but he was like and i i do agree for the most part maybe he'll hear this when he listens but <laughs> i won't tell him in person but just make it a little more clear cut the rule like okay tournament play just make even for the local like for the week okay this is private property let's just make all gates out of bounds or or maybe make make an ob line that's a a foot out from the gate so it doesn't even become a question about the gates maybe it's a possibility but i don't know but anyway to get back to annika though the point is is that despite that and potentially costing her three full shots um you would think that she would have done at least one or two shots better if she was able to play from there. She still made the cut, which is absolutely, I wouldn't go as far as saying mind boggling because look, everyone, how many times has the It's term, very impressive. Yes. It's very impressive. Cause like it's, it, it was, she's referred to rightfully so as the goat more times than I've seen the word, the goat used anywhere. And that includes a sport that includes Tiger Woods. I think maybe that's because there's still a very big raging, pretty big debate in men's golf as far as Tiger Jack, who's the GOAT. But in women's golf, Annika is pretty, I think most people agree she's the GOAT. So, yes, very impressive to see her back out. And, and really, she went under par in, in the second round to make the weekend, which means she beat a significant more than 30 active professionals to make the cut and she's like yeah just 13 years off no big deal i'll come in and <laughs> she did so many media obligations too right she did caddy knows best she explained the aeon risk award challenge she was very kind with her time and the most i imagine the most fulfilling moments were when she had her kids with her on those post tournament moments and having her son will in particular being super into the golf side Daughter Ava making a T-shirt, go on a go with the foundation logo. To have your kids that motivated to see you succeed, that's got to be such a fulfilling moment as a parent. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't have that perspective exactly. But it it was so cool to see little Will out there. I mean, he looked like he looked so locked in. And those, like, he took it so seriously. He wasn't just, like, smiling. You know, a lot of times, I don't know if you've you've been, you live in the Bay Area, go to a San Francisco Giants game or a Golden State Warriors game or something, and maybe the the big screen, you get on the big screen, some of the TV, the camera comes to you, and you're just, like, your initial reaction is, like, the smile and, and like, kind of eat up that time that you have. And it's a little different environment. But a camera gets in front of him and he's like, this is live. You know, you're, you're getting, your mom's getting interviewed. Now you're being asked questions. He was like, no, this is what she needs to do. And like, he was locked in. So uh, it was a very fun week, by the way, I just want to ask if you noticed when Judy Rankin, I think made a comment that there's some members, some neighborhood residents at, in, at Lake Nona that apparently are friends with Annika that didn't know that she was a golfer. <laughs> that's a very interesting i mean look i don't blame them if you're not into golf if you live in the community with her and i if they met her through her kids that makes sense you don't necessarily ask oh what do you do because she could say oh i run a foundation that's very true. valid answer that's know? true and maybe maybe it's nice to have someone to talk to that doesn't view you as this greatest of all time golfer you know a hundred percent. I like. I bet it was uh, pretty refreshing, especially like it's a golf community. Like there's golf course centerpiece. Um, that's got to be pretty nice though to have a few friends that you don't have to worry about the golf world when you have a conversation. And with Charlotta and Annika, they were the first set of sisters to win on back-to-back events. They were actually back-to-back weeks, going back to the Safeway International and Craft Nabisco Championship in March of 2000. The Corda sisters now join them, and it would not have been in any other state but Florida. Ben, I can't get over how dominant Jessica and Nellie are in the Sunshine State. They both 
have over 50% top 10 rates. Nelly has finished in the top 10 in seven out of nine starts in the state of Florida since her rookie season. That's a 77% top 10 rate. Jessica is five out of nine, 55%. So I'll tell you what, here's some free advice for the U.S. Solheim Cup course selection committee. <laughs> Pick anywhere in Florida, anywhere. Make sure Jessica and Nelly are on the team. Roll them out there. They're going to do some damage. Because I think top 10 is probably a better indicator for what you want on a Solheim Cup team versus wins. Now, obviously, if you win a ton, you know, you're one of the top two, three players. You're the Nelly, the Danielle, the Lexi of the team. But for your, your mid-roster, you're really trying to find someone who can be consistently good. And a top 10, you are great, right? Winning is a step up from that. But the finish in the top 10 and these, granted, some of these fields are Diamond Resorts, Terminator Champions. It's a smaller field. That's a fair asterisk to drop on this. But otherwise, this is some consistency in their home state that you that's really impressive. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you know what? This weekend, just speaking of potential venues in the future at some point while Nellie and Jess are still playing, this course, Lake Nona, which hosted the inaugural Salon Cup, which I think we might talk about in a minute, it's a good, like we saw, you see lots of the chances to go low, uh, 65, 765 by Lydia, 765 by, by Angel. But there's also, simultaneously, there's big numbers that can come into play too. It's a good, like, team match play kind of environment. And on the PJ Tour, they played at the concession, which I didn't get to follow quite as closely. But from everything that I've seen, it's this, uh, pretty much the same thing, like a difficult course but there's chances to make a lot of birdies and there's also chances to make a lot of big numbers. And by the way, if you follow Nelly on social media, you'll see that she spends quite a bit of time there at the concession. So I don't know if there's any special rule about hosting a Solheim cup at a player's home course, but you can't like, if it's a great course and it can be up to the challenge of hosting a major event, then, you know, why not? Do you know which player was in the field this week that was in the original Solheim cup? You know, I honest to goodness did not look this up, but I'm going to guess the legend herself, and I consider her a legend, and I maybe I'm wrong, but Dame Laura Davies, that's my guess. A Dame, yes. Ding, <laughs> ding, ding. We have a winner. <laughs> Woo! Team Europe. She went two and one, lost day two, four ball, one day one, foursomes, and won her singles match, taking down Rosie Jones, three and two. That was 31 years ago. My instinct was to say 21 years. Boy, watch out. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty unbelievable. Like, I think Laura, I should say, the Dame Laura Davies, which another player that, as we brought up many times about the LPJ Hall of Fame, <laughs> she should definitely be in the LPJ Hall of Fame. Uh, if she doesn't quite earn it, she has been in contention the last three years, amazingly. At the Founders Cup in 2018, I believe, she did make a, a good run at the title. But it, it's probably not likely that she picks up those points, those few couple points that she needs to gain LPGA Hall of Fame status by earning it. But she definitely should be in there. Um, there know. is a Veterans Committee option. Yes, and I hoped, I really hope that she gets included because – what a great, not just great player, but great ambassador for the game. Still teeing it up. And she's not not heading it short either. If you get a chance to watch her play, like she's just so much fun. Before we jump back into the play this week, is there one player who's currently retired that you would love to see make a similar style comeback appearance like Annika did this week? Oh, man, that's a little tough because I mean, I think Annika's been – she's still been playing quite a bit. So I know that she – her game you know, was in good enough shape to make the cut at an LPJ Tour event. How many players would quite be there? I know Julie Inkster's still not officially retired. She's – I think she still makes some starts, so I can't say Julie. Um, man, that's a great question. I would love to see – does it have to be like current day? I guess you said like Annika. I'd just like to see, because I didn't get to see her, maybe this is it, the right answer, the answer you're looking for. 
but I would have loved to see Nancy Lopez play. There's no right answer. I'm not looking for an answer here. <laughs> it just be, you know, it's someone to come back and have a decent shot at making mm. a cut, you know. Do you have anyone? Is anyone I do. Okay, let's let's hear it. Lorena Ochoa. Oh shoot, that's a no-brainer. She's 39. That's so strange to think. She <sighs> she was 28 when she walked away as the world's number one. I rescind everything I just said. Kent, <laughs> Kent, 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 Kent is the editor of this, but he'll leave it in. That's fine. But I'm going to save myself on my own right. Didn't we talk like, about earlier how you want to be right? Where's the argument, even though you think I'm right? <laughs> no, in this case, I was, I didn't have a wrong answer. I'm just like, I, I feel ashamed. You almost said it. You almost said it. You almost conceded. I was, I was almost proud of you there. Well, thanks. But I just, <laughs> I just feel too ashamed to not that Lorena didn't pop up into my head because she was still like, she is so good. Like it's hard to really there. There could be a real discussion between, like, she could have potentially got into the Annika conversation. She just had this. It was like a, a what's the saying when it's something? She was a a shooting star of dominance. Right. It was just so like she was there, took over everything and and then was gone almost just as quickly. Oh, yeah, it would, it would be great. And I think she could still play. And at the same time, um, I got to I'm not sure if I got to see her play or not, but Sayri Pak, too. Sayri would have been fun. But but Lorena, for sure, like just if you based it on age, like having ability to like physically still compete at a high level if she you know but i think they're all comfortable in, in what they're doing in their lives now but yes lorena is a great choice and for annika's overall goal this week of using this tournament to prepare for the u.s senior women's open really effective to make the weekend just to feel how that exhaustion might be getting prepared for that speaking of current number one jin young ko four straight top five finishes it's just, you don't even realize it. Even though she won the money title in historically quick fashion in 2020, it's just she goes about her business. She hits the green, she putts, and there's a low number on the scorecard. Yeah, she is so... I don't even... I really don't know the right words to put. Like, it's, it's almost speechless. Not to, like, beat a drum that's been hit a lot of times by me, but it do, it's very reminiscent to me of the other co Lydia co when she was at the top where Jin Young doesn't do it in this like flashy way. It's like, wait, how did you get in not just the top 10, but the top five, like, where did you come from? Like that third round, she goes six under all of a sudden you just, you see a player go from four under really out of the mix. You're not, you're like, well, it's the role number one. She'll do pretty good. She'll do some Jin Young things and probably, finished pretty solid but all of a sudden that six under got her within three of the lead going into the final round which if she if she repeated had another six under today in the final round that would have had her tied with what nelly had obviously it's a lot to ask like it's a lot to ask for back-to-back 66s but still it's the way that she goes the way that she goes about it is almost you know, if I was a competitor, like competing against her, it would be so, it would be pretty frustrating, I think, to just know that there's always this player, like no lead is safe, it basically feels like. Like you have a player like that. Same thing with Young. She was way too far out of contention, but she had a great final round. Um, well, you have players that can go and get into tournaments at any time. It is pretty amazing. Okay, Young. Is to Tesla stock. What Jin Young is to Apple. Okay, Tesla, we're doing a stock watch. So we'll <laughs> compare to real stocks real quick. Se Young has this ability to just go absolutely bonkers out of nowhere and just take off like a rocket. And then Jin Young, in terms of <laughs> Apple, just the most consistent stock. I think Jin Young hasn't been playing golf for 30 years, but the most consistent, high level expectation of play from someone. Hasn't missed a cut since middle of 2018. 
by the way, with with the ability to like Apple, oh, we have some new products that come out. They introduce a new like out of this world product, and it's like, oh yeah, here's a couple majors you throw in. <laughs> like <laughs> that's a good. I like the comparison, Kent. I, I hate to agree with you too often, but I do. I agree it's, with. It's this. a very consistent rate of return with Apple stock. So, not that we're a stock expert <laughs> conversation, but speaking of. Before we go stock up, stock down, stock down, Kent's bets of the week picks. Ben, this was the worst performance of the bets of the week since their inauguration, since their creation last year. Three missed cuts. Not even, it's just one top 25. That hurts me to say out loud. A couple of these are stock down picks. Danielle King missed the cut. Sung Hyun Park missed the cut. <sighs> you can tell, deep breath, a little frustration here with the, with the results from this week. But, you know, Brittany Linscombe was the best finish at tie for 24th. Asahata Oka made the cut, tie 52nd. But, like, Ben, where did I go wrong? What is, what's, what's south? What's north? <laughs> I'm disoriented. You know, it, I would just... I'm just going to say, I want to do a, a cop-out answer and just say it's golf. <laughs> they happen. But, they but, happen. You know, you, your numbers and your picks have been very solid to this point. And if you think about it, like this is the I first. would like to say, for the record, that Brittany Linscombe had the lead early in the first round. So had they just sent everyone home and given her the trophy, then I would have been okay with it. But continue. Yeah. I mean, look – I think that Brittany was, I did notice that. And I, it's, it's always funny. It's kind of like watching actual stocks. It's like say a new company comes out and you watch the stock, like, Oh, it's going up early. It's like, Hey, it's, it's a little too early to uh, make any real judgments on what's going to happen. Cause four days, four rounds is a lot of rounds of golf to be played, but you know, I think with Danielle, she had that great showing at the tournament of champions, right? She finished runner up. She got to the playoff, you know, just a putt away literally from she could potentially have been the winner. And she's played at such a high level for more it going back to 2019 now. Like it's a long time to be playing at a high level. To me, one of these weeks is kind of inevitable, inevitable I think. Like not necessarily inevitable missing the cut might be a little extreme, but this was a golf course that if you weren't on your game top to bottom, it could expose you and make things a little challenging, I think. So it would not surprise me. Like I don't expect Danielle to miss the cut next week. I just wouldn't expect it. I think her, she put, definitely put in, I saw on her uh, Instagram stories, her and Lizette Silas and one of her very great friends, they were putting in the work. I mean, Saturday, they were back on the range putting in work so yeah same thing with nasa she's been so consistent this is always what happens kent i can i can make positive reactions for every single person and make like give good reasoning but the one that i will like i am so hesitant to say if we're talking about stock up stock down the stock down like it i don't know what's going on with sunghyun stock down Stock down officially. She's officially on stock down. Watch. You know, I I would say if you were, if this is like the betting portion of things, it would be very difficult. I think that she does need one of uh, Kent's old, you know, one of your advice to me was you need to see something like anything, a positive direction, like a top 25, top 15, top top 10. Something that shows that, okay, the game started to come back together. Sunghyun has been so difficult because I think that maybe me a little bit more so than you, but watching her, like we know her peak level and her peak level is so great that when you see some of these odds, it's like, it's difficult to not pick her, but something is definitely, something is definitely up. Like she, she, I felt pretty comfortable in the rationale for picking her this week, which was okay. You pick her because it was the same odds when she returned to the ANA inspiration last year. 
And the reason her odds were as high was because she was coming off a shoulder injury. You would think the extended time off, that would have been better by now. So that's why you buy that price. And again, what's, what's the rule of thumb with stocks? What's the number one rule everyone is taught? And if you haven't learned it yet, congratulations, you'll learn it here. Buy low, sell high, right? We want to, I guess it's the reverse of betting odds. You want to buy at higher odds to get a better return. So it's, you're trying to guess ahead of time when Sung Yun, who I would put on the list of players who could make that leap from a miscut to a win. And that's just those players with that uber high talent level who have won before because they have the confidence and the wherewithal to understand how they feel like on Sunday down the stretch, they have their go-to shots like Nelly showed today, right? With that wedge around the green, like, okay, I'm going to make sure worst case scenario is a par. It's my short game is so gosh darn good. So to your point, you can try to argue, say on Kim next week because of her finish today going six under showing something. We'll see what the prices are before getting into what next week might pretend, but who, who else is on your stock watch list? On the stock up. And I was very, I, I didn't text you, but I wanted to text you hashtag view high watch. She was actually on TV too. View high watch. <laughs> no, I am serious. Like, so Ashley, she finished high eighth this week. She had, and this is the stat I was telling you about earlier, uh, pre-recording, but my kind of funny stat, but six top 18s. I know, got the top 18, not top 20s, not top so, 10s. So there's a good reason now to start talking about things like View High Watch. She's a relatively unknown player, and DFS golf betting is now happening at most LPGA events. So in terms of would I pick View High to win outright? Probably not. So it's good to see her play well, but DFS, she's got a lot of value on the table right now. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, depending on how, what her odds are at too in the given week, um, she did get into that playoff with Georgia at the Portland classic. So like she was technically she finished regulation in a tie for first. So it, that's a good experience. Um, but I, I know what you're saying uh, as far as, Maybe not the best odds or best choice to out be an outright winner, but this is really impressive stuff from her though. This she's kind of entered her own. I, I would call it that kind of stratosphere that we talked about Danielle and say young in 2020, like 2019 to 2020, as far as they're at a different level, like they're at the high, they're winning multiple times, finishing top 10, top 25, say young. I think this week was her worst finish in, since like 2019 and which is mind boggling. That is a truly mind boggling uh, thing to think about. But with Ashley, the six top 18s and 16 events last year. And then she starts this year with a tie for eighth. She's in her own realm of like playing really high level golf. You're carrying it over into a whole new year. Like that shows, that shows me something. So that's who I I'm going to keep an eye on at least in the immediate future. You know who I'm going to next take for stock up? Who? <laughs> Your favorite. Oh. Tied for second finish, Lydia Ko. This was a good performance at her home course. And I'm accepting I'm a little too scared off of some subjective factors when making bets, such as Lydia mentioned before the tournament that she had surgery to fix a deviated septum. And if you don't know what that is, that is a blockage in the nasal passageway that prevents you to breathe easily out of your nose, likely results in snoring, affects your quality of sleep at night. And it usually takes a couple of weeks before you could travel and get up and go back doing any level of physical activity because it's your nose. You don't want to break that. It doesn't take much to not break your nose, but break what the surgery did. But with that, I thought, okay, she wasn't able to practice for a few weeks. Why would I pick her? And clearly she would have been a better selection than any of the others I made this week. <laughs> it was her home course. And she put on a show on Sunday, four birdies in a row on the back nine to get in that tie for second finish alongside Lexi Thompson. That's what you want to see. And it looked like she was more relaxed on Sunday versus that marathon collapse against Danielle King when was the last time she really had a chance to win. Right. You know, the funny thing is when I was, when you first 
talked about your stock up pick and you said your favorite. It wasn't even on my mind because my stock on Lydia is always up. So it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't crossing my mind as a as like a, a possible stock down. But you know, for sure, you know, I understand the rationale for not necessarily picking her this week. To interrupt you, do you think Lydia's next win will be one where she's protecting the lead or one where she comes from behind? Very interesting, Kent. Personally, I think it's where she'll be protecting the lead. I think that the, I'm going to call it the incident, but what happened at the marathon last year with Danielle, I think that's a major anomaly. Um, Could it happen again? Sure. Like golf, anything can happen. But I think that she, especially now she has a, she, to me, it looks like she has control of her game, much like Nelly, like down the stretch in this final round, the back nine, Nelly to me never looked quite comfortable. I don't know how you feel, but she just didn't look all the way comfortable, but she had a level of uh, execution that allowed her to continue making pars and gave herself enough birdie opportunities. Turns out she didn't need to make them, but she was still giving herself those opportunities and lots of stress-free pars, which is obviously very important. To me, Lydia is so smart, and although it's been a while since she's won, those 15 career LPGA Tour victories, they do, they do, they're still there. Like, that history of winning is still there. I know when you enter, like, coming back into winning, it does take some time to get used to that again. But I think that experience last year at the marathon will greatly benefit her. And if she's in this much control of her game, as far as what I could see, if she's in this much control of her game now, after, like you mentioned, not even having that long to prepare, then the more reps she gets this season, to me, that's – could she chase down and get a win from behind? For sure. But to me, I think it's more likely that she has a lead, two or three-shot lead that she protects coming down the stretch. That's what I envision. Speaking of another player we're expecting to see win, third consecutive top 10 finish, top seven if you want to get real specific, Lexi Thompson. Tie for second, her best finish since the second place finish at the Marathon Classic in 2019, where she had three top two finishes, including a victory over four starts. That's someone who had the longest consecutive win streak on the LPG Tour at seven years, which was broken over 2020. We'll figure out how people view it over the course of history, that it was a shortened season that may have been in part of giving her a lack of opportunities to take a title home. But for, for Lexi, who's slowed down slightly compared to historical expectations, which to your point, like it's what we would call a dip in the stock. You know, this is still a high valued stock where the value has gone down over recent years is hitting a, a trend line going back up and moving in the right direction and very encouraging for my official money title <laughs> that, that I made. <laughs> She's in second place. The advantage of playing a diamond resorts versus a lot of other people not is very significant right now, but we'll see how that plays over the course of the year. But she had a really impressive Eagle putting off the fringe today on the 11th. Yeah. And it, it's one of those interesting plays. It's, it's almost a play like a la on a Norquist where she loves to use that a putter from around the greens, uh, not necessarily feeling all the way comfortable chipping it. Not saying that Lexi isn't, but um, actually that's a good point too. We saw even Angel a couple times. I think there was wedges around the green that um, a putter could have been an option. Living on the ground could have been an option. But uh, yeah, Lexi, Lexi's just, like I mentioned before last year on podcast previous to this, her game is so good that she will put herself in contention or in positions like this many times throughout the year. And the more times you do that, the more opportunities you have to win and more likely you're going to pick up a win, which to me is why she had that consecutive consecutive years with the win is because LPJ tour is a pretty long season. And, and she also, if you look at in women's golf, Unfortunately, we talked about this too. There's not always the luxury of being able to say, hey, I'm going to take this tournament off. 
because you can't afford to. You you have your car that you're trying to keep. You have money. Like you're trying to be able to pay rent back at home, wherever home may be. Like you have to go play. But Lexi's someone who's because she's been so good and so consistent for so long. She has the ability to pick and choose. And she does that pretty well of where she plays. So she plays in places where she can contend and play well. Um, and the state of Florida has been very nice to her as well. <laughs> I think she has a great track history in Florida. So to me, it is a good sign though. Cause look at, at the end of the day, Lexi is arguably, you know, I think if Michelle Wee's playing and back in action, she's probably the number one, like American star. But Lexi's right there. Like Lexi, Lexi, the Cordas, Danielle Kang. But Lexi's got to be near the top of that. And seeing her play well is is only a good thing. And once she gets rolling, and man, we have definitely it's been it's been talked about a lot. But that just a few more putts start to drop, and I think we'll, <laughs> they were this week. Watch out, like. In this stretch of however many events she does decide to play, there's a victory on the horizon for her as well. I know I can say that about literally every player. Golf commentators say that all the time, right? Like, I definitely expect to win in this player's future. Like, they're definitely going to be a multiple-time winner. We hear this a lot. But with Lexi, we've seen it. We've seen the results. She's won a lot of time. She's won a lot of time. She stayed in the top ten for for how long? A long, long time. So, so yeah, that it's just, it's great to see her back there. And if we're talking about stock up, um, stock up. Yeah. It's good to see Lexi start the season on this, you know, upward trajectory. You were mentioning before we recorded about another stock up you were considering mentioning. Yeah, I was. It was interesting to me because say young, say young Kim, she, the world number two, and we know the year that she had last year, Rolex Player of the Year, got her picked up her first major championship victory at the KPMG Women's PGA. And this week was pretty not not really a typical Say Young week. She was she was right around par, even over par, did just enough to make the cut. And that's not what we've become accustomed to with Say Young over the last, especially at the last almost two years. And then Sunday, she goes out with the round of the day, six under 66, gets the four under for the tournament and moving into a new week. And if we know anything about Young, it's that once she gets going, once she finds something, because that's what I thought at the beginning of the week, those first, after those first couple of rounds, I was like, oh, Young's a little off. Like they were showing her on the broadcast. She's one of the featured groups. And it just like, oh, these putts that were dropping last year, they weren't dropping Thursday and Friday. And it's, it's been so long since I've seen Young miss any putts. <laughs> it was like she averaged more than five birdies per round in 2020. Another, like, what statistic? I know we've talked about it several times. But um, to see her go six under on a day that wasn't, like, final round wasn't easy. There were some difficult pin positions. Um, by the way, just kind of random, but not – the par five 15th, sorry, it's a par five 15th, right? Three, two. The par five 15th was playing as the toughest hole in the final round. And it's a par five that was moved up. They even moved up for the final round. It all had to do with that placement on the green, which is just, you know, par fives usually think of at least being in the top, what, guarantee in the top eight, typically, if not, the four easiest are usually top five, six easiest holes. But anyway, um, to see that Say Young, to see Say Young get on a roll like that, to me, is if the stock, if there was a stock level, she dipped there for Say Young at through the first two or three rounds. And Sunday, for me, it's like, oh, that's a very eye opening. Well, maybe something special could be happening next week. Or this That's coming a late week. trading session rebound, but not back to previous <laughs> levels. Getting real stock technical here. As we wrap up, got to give a Ben Harpering shout out to Patty Taptanikit. She was most well known for that 61 of the 2019 Thornberry Creek Classic. To be a rookie 
extended rookie, however you want to call it, is it's year two of a rookie season. To be in the final grouping with this strong of a field shows a lot could happen for the Thai native. And she talked about a lot on the Golf Channel telecast. Like many players, really motivated by Tiger Woods. Nice to see her on a Sunday in the final group, even though it didn't go the way she wanted. This is a learning moment. Now she knows how she's reacting, and she has her coach with her on the bag this week and next week. That's going to really highlight, all right, what emphasis points do we need to focus on to get better for the next go-around? And Sarah Kemp, what a very consistent performance. 70, 69, 70, 69, 10 under, minus five. Very effective. Oh, 100%. And I, I, we're reaching the end, but that Patty, Patty Tavitana kit shout out. I do like, I'm so high on Patty. <laughs> this is, I know someone we keep going back to stocks, but this has nothing to do with stocks, just in general. I'm such a big fan of hers going back to 2019 when I got to see her. I actually talked to her the, for the first time at the U.S. Women's Open, um, where she made her professional debut and then watched her play in the Symmetra Tour. She won three times and so impressed. Like, you know, when you watch a player, there's some players that just stand out like that. You can just tell that their game is suited for the highest level. And I, there's not really, there's not lots of them, obviously like the, the LPJ tour, PJ tour, whatever it is, it's the highest level of that sport, which makes sense. But when I watch her play on the Symmetra tour, it's like, I got to watch her play in person. I saw her come down the stretch and win um, in French look, Indiana. And just so impressive the the total game but her swing is amazing to me and did you see on the telecast according to um jerry foltz she hit a drive today like 291 yards into the wind she ended up going through the fairway which no one thought was possible so as we start to mention and talk about the long hitters of the lpga tour i guess patty does have to go and get into that conversation i just wanted to point this out because 2020 was she was struggling i mean for lack of a better term like it was not a really great year for her so to see her kind of make some adjustments over this offseason and come start the year her extended or resumption of her rookie season however it's phrased it's really great to see that and sarah yeah shout out to kimpy <laughs> the holdout for eagle she had um in round two round two or round three obviously it's always amazing to see anyone hold out but playing consistent golf and kind of shows she got that sponsor's exemption to the CME group tour championship last year, which we don't have to talk about the controversy, lack of controversy or whatever, but she is a very great ambassador of the game in every front. And it's great to see her playing well. So hopefully more of that in the future. Was a Monday qualified and finished in the top 10 with a birdie on the last to get into the event at golden Ocala next week. And Nellie Corda. Nelly Corder, Jessica Corder is clearly winning next week based on this trend of the Corders winning every tournament in 2021, but she secures her first victory in the United States. Her fourth career win, Jessica Corder was six, 10 combined. They got 63 more to go to catch the Soren Stems. A little bit of work to do. <laughs> We're looking forward to seeing if they do that next week. As always, thanks for the time, Ben. Always glad to talk, Kent. We'll, we'll talk soon, very soon. Talk soon. <laughs>